I'm excited that during these next three or four or five Sundays, we're, we're talking about the manifested presence of Jesus. How that Jesus manifests himself in his church, in our lives, and in this world. We've spoken about the promised presence of God, the promised presence of Jesus. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy and his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus has promised his presence where two or three are gathered in my name under the authority of his name, for the glory of his name, for the proclamation of his name. I'll be there. There's his promised presence in your life. We call that the abiding presence of Jesus, where he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The abiding presence of Jesus in your life, where the Bible says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20, Christ lives in me. So there's the promised presence of Jesus, which is his abiding presence in our life every day. But then there's the awareness of the presence of Jesus, where we just sense that uh, we've moved out of the natural and we're somehow experiencing the supernatural in that we are aware that the God who spoke this universe out of nothing has blessed us with an awareness of his presence. And you know, when you are in the presence of God and aware of it, time means nothing. It's just like, hey, I guess I'm getting a taste just a minute taste of what it might be in heaven when I live in the unhindered presence of God. But then we, we've talked about the promised presence and we've talked about the awareness of his presence. But these next few weeks, we're talking about the manifested presence. Now, in the Luke 4.18, of course, that's our name. But what that is, it tells us what Jesus does when he is present in a life, in a church, and when he's moving in the land. He said this is what he came to do. Now, let me ask you this. If he came to do this, what make you think he ever stopped? No, he's never stopped. So look at what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, he's quoting Isaiah, chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, here's the first thing, He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We preached that last Sunday, and that's on salvation. And Chef Rob gave his testimony of his glorious salvation. He said to, to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, that's what I'm going to preach on today, the healing of Jesus of the brokenhearted. And then two of our members are going to give a testimony of how Jesus manifested himself to them in healing their broken heart. Then next week, he said, I've come to deliver the captives. So we're going to talk about when the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. But when the Son of God, if you continue in, in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we're going to talk about the manifest presence of Jesus in delivering the captives. And then the following week, he said, I've come to give sight, the recovery of sight to the blind. And we're going to talk about healing, physical healing, emotional healing, 
And we'll have a testimony to give uh, at the delivering of the captives of how God set someone free. And then on this, when we come to the recovery of sight to the bride on healing, we're going to have a person who's going to give a testimony about God's healing. And then the last one, look at this, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, those that are beaten down by the world, the flesh, and the devil. He said, I came to set at liberty the oppressed. And we'll have a testimony from one of our people. So each message and then a testimony of how Jesus did this in their life. The healing of the brokenhearted. You know, if you ask me, why did Jesus came come? I said, man, he came to seek and to save the lost. And he does, and that's why he came. That's his main mission. But somehow I'd missed the significance. If he said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. That had never really gripped me the way it should. But in Isaiah 61, verse 3, and I hope we'll get that on the screen. That's the prophecy that Jesus gave, that he gave and taught in the synagogue. And in Isaiah 61, 3, look at what he says. Now, this is what's involved in Jesus healing the brokenhearted. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Wow. I'd love to excuse, ex- exchange my ashes for his beauty. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Then the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So, man, somehow I didn't understand how important it was that people become aware that Jesus is present today not only to save their soul, to eternally change them, but he's here to heal their broken heart. I was flying from Savannah, Georgia, and... um, I was going through Atlanta and then was going somewhere else. I don't remember. But as I flew out of, it, out of Savannah, there was a young man sitting in the middle seat beside me. And we had flown for just a little while, and he started to cry. And needless to say, I, I mean, this startled me for a young man who's 14 years old to start crying. Finally, I asked him, uh, you know, um, what's going on? He said, well... He said, I spent the last six weeks with my father in Savannah. Now I'm going back home to live with my mother and go to school. And it occurred to me, this, this young man was crying because he didn't want to leave his father. I said, and I tried to speak words of encouragement and comfort to him. Well, that, that was very startling to me. But we, we hadn't been flying 15 minutes when I noticed the young lady in the aisle beside me was crying. And I was saying, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, she was sobbing. I said, my, I said, what's going on? I, can I help you? She said, yeah. Said, I left Atlanta to go to Boca Raton to go to school. Uh, and... Uh, I left in the summer, 
And I told my, my, my boyfriend that I, I think she was engaged to him, that I'd see him on Labor Day. So this was before then. And, and she said, you know, the other day I'd been out and I came in and I got a message to call home. And my boyfriend had been killed in a wreck. And I'm on the way to his funeral. By that time, I, I was really shook up. And I, I, I just said, now, Lord, I believe I had some divine appointments here to sit beside a 14-year-old boy who had a broken heart. And I didn't use the word broken heart. And to sit beside an 18-year-old girl. I said, God, what are you trying to tell me? And as clear as the Holy Spirit with that still, small voice could speak to me, he said to me, I want to remind you that you're living in a world of broken-hearted people. You know, I guess there's a broken heart in every home. And someone said in church there's a broken heart on every pew. Well, then it became very significant to me as this came crashing in on me. Well, Jesus came to heal the broken-hearted, that 14-year-old boy, that young lady. That's, why, that's one of the reasons he came. And so I began to think about it and pray about it. And, and the Lord showed me three things. First of all, he showed me the reality that Jesus understands and feels your broken heart. Sometimes we think God creates us and forgets us. But I, like we sang, he knows your tears. He, know, he hears your cry. So we need to understand that Jesus understands and feels our broken heart. And we need to understand that Jesus is present today. We've got to get this, y'all. Thank God he, would, he lived 2,000 years ago. Thank God he ascended to the right hand of the Father and has all authority in heaven and earth. But thank God he came back in the person of the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to work in our lives. And so we need to understand that Jesus is present today to heal the brokenhearted. And then the third thing he showed me was Jesus invites the brokenhearted to come to him. He understands, he feels, he's present today, and he invites you to come to him. I love, I love Isaiah 53.3. I want you to look at what it says on the screen. He's despised and rejected by men. Now get this, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That sometimes can be a man of sorrows and acquainted with pain. And we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But you go on to the next verse. Now, now look at this. Look at this. Surely he has borne our griefs. Well, where did he bear them? To the cross. They were on him as he walked the seas of shores of Galilee He's borne our griefs. And guess what? He's carried. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. I know you took my sin. I know you died in my place. I know that I'll never be forgiven apart from your precious blood. But are you telling me you not only took my sin, but you took my sorrows and you took my pain? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So we need to understand that Jesus understands and feels your broken heart. He does. 
I think one of the greatest examples of the, of the compassion of Jesus to enter into our suffering or to enter into our broken heart, I think one of the greatest examples is when his, all of his dealings with Lazarus. Jesus was just like, Lazarus was like a brother to Jesus. He ate in their home. And when, when Lazarus got sick, Mary and Martha sent word to Jerusalem, Lord, the one you love is sick. I mean, I mean I, I'm telling you, Jesus and Lazarus just like that. But you know he didn't get down there until four days later. Oh, he could have gone much quicker. And as he was on the way, he told his disciples, he said, Lazarus has died. And, but he said, this is for the glory of God. Well, anyway, he got down there. And, 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 and in John 11, verse 20, we, we see uh, the, compa- the, 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 the pain of Martha. Look at what it says. Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, look what happened. Martha said to Jesus, now I want you to feel her pain. You, have you ever felt like this? Lord, where were you? Lord, if you'd just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's like she's saying, Lord, I'm, where, were you, where were you when I needed you? Lord, I just went through one of the hardest things of my life. I sure needed you. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And then Jesus said, your brother will rise again. But, but, but I know he felt the pain of Mary and Martha. Now, so Martha went on, and then Mary came on to the scene. And in verse, 20, uh, verse 32, uh, Mary said the very same thing. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, now I want you to get this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You know, that's quite a statement about Jesus. He groaned in his spirit. Somebody said he had already told Martha that, that he was going to raise him from the dead and maybe he was groaning over their unbelief. It was trouble, but I, I believe he saw the hurt and pain of Martha. And he saw the hurt and the pain of Mary. And being the son of man, perfect humanity, he entered into their sorrow and into their grief. And he felt their broken heart. And then that, that verse in the Bible that we all know when you play Bible games, the shortest verse in the Bible, well, you know what it is. It, what, it, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? <laughs> We don't know any other one. We know that one. (laughs) Why did he weep? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, I'm going to raise him from the dead. And and he he was groaning in trouble because of their unbelief. But I'm telling you, it, it broke his heart because their heart was broken. Let me tell you one thing. Every tear you've shed, you say, where was Jesus? He was there. Nobody understands and nobody cares. You're dead wrong. Jesus knows the pain and the hurt that you go through. And, and, and it was seen so obvious when he wept with Mary and Martha, but knowing at the same time that he's about to bring perhaps his greatest earthly miracle in raising Lazarus from the dead. 
So you need to understand this morning that Jesus understands, he knows, and he feels your broken heart. And he does. So that ought to encourage you and, and, and cause you to just look to him in the midst of your hurt and your pain. But, you know, we need to go on and understand that not only does Jesus understand and feel, but he's present today to heal the brokenhearted. You know, in Luke 4.18, he said, I'm proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he went on in verse 20 and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And then Luke and Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, what? Today and forever. And so we got to understand that Jesus is present today, not only to save your soul and transform your life and make you a new creation by his saving, mighty saving power. Yes, but he's also present to heal your broken heart. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to think somehow, we, 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 we love to think about Jesus back there. I, I love that, but my, my soul, I need Jesus right now. And you know how much you need him right now. And so to realize that he is present today to heal the brokenhearted. You know, um, why do people have a broken heart? Well, I'll just go over some of the ones I've just experienced in these 58 years I've been a pastor. They have a broken heart when a loved one dies. They have a broken heart when a loved one is sick and the diagnosis is not good and they want to fix it and they can't fix it. Sometimes some of the most broken hearted is not just when a loved one dies, but when they suffer. And you, you seem to see, you, you, you just struggle with them in their sickness. People have a broken heart over a wayward child, a wayward son or daughter. When your son or daughter make right, wrong choices and go the wrong way and you see the enemy steal, kill, and destroy and you stay awake at night and say, my God, don't they understand? Did they not hear anything on the way? It'll, it'll break your heart. You know, when a person experiences a failed marriage, I want to tell you something. It's, it's painful. It is very, very painful. I would never will forget this individual had been through a divorce. And, and I spoke to her and I said, well, and she tried. I said, the pain I know is awful right now, but I, I tell you, it'll get better. I saw her about two years later, and I'm just going to tell you what she said. And I, I don't know why, she, I don't know what was going on, but she said to me, Brother Fred, you told me it was going to get better. She said, but divorce is worse than death. It just goes on and on and on and conflict and this and that. Boy, I tell you what, it'll break your heart when you go through a failed marriage. There's no question about it. It's a lot of pain in it, folks. That's why we need to have compassion. A lot of people have a, a broken heart because they've made wrong choices and now they're suffering the consequences. Hey, we all have made wrong choices. We'll just call it what it is, sin. But you know, 
Whatever a man sows, he reaps. And then there's the wrong consequences of sin. And we, you know, and it breaks our heart. God, why did I make that choice? Well, I know why we made that bad choice, because we got our eyes off Jesus. We have a sinful nature. And here we go doing things that we know that God, Spirit of God's telling us not to do while we're doing it. Wrong choices and the consequences. Unfulfilled dreams. See, you had a dream of what your life was going to be and how you, you had it all planned out and you saw it, but it ain't never happened. And you have a broken heart. You're disappointed. But I want to tell you something else. You know what will break your heart? The sin of other people. There was a book that was written not long ago by a man, What Your Sin Caused to Me. And it was about a man who had come. And that person just kept affecting people. And, and, and they, it, it had no idea how much that his sin had affected other people. So there are many reasons a person has a broken heart. But Jesus is present today to heal the brokenhearted. I, I want to mention four areas that I believe are very significant. And perhaps each, we've all experienced one of these. Now, Jesus can heal a heart broken by grief. Let me talk to you about grief. It says he has borne our grief. Did you know that grief is not a sin? When you grieve, it is not a sin. Even when you grieve over a loved one that's sick or, or you grieve when a loved one has died, grief is not a sin. It is a clean wound. God created us to grieve. It's good to cry. It, uh, thank God we have feelings. Thank God that, that we, 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 we're not plastic. Jesus wept with Lazarus, with Mayor and Martha. And so you've got to understand that Jesus can heal your grief. But let me tell you something. It's a process. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more comfort you will find. And the more you look to Jesus... The, the more you will find that his grace is sufficient one day at a time. But I want to tell you, I'm not sure you ever get over completely some kinds of grief. I'm not sure you ever get over it completely. You think about it. You don't live there, but it's still, still painful. But I want you to know he can heal a heart that is broken by grief. The word of God, worshiping God. The Spirit of God comforting you. I'm telling you, if you will look to Jesus and keep your eyes focused on Jesus, I'm not saying there's going to be an instant cure, but I am telling you, you'll find that God's grace is sufficient and Jesus will give you peace that passes understanding. And I'm saying that in the process of it, you will find that His grace is sufficient one day at a time and you will be able to, He'll be able to heal that heart broken by grief. But also Jesus can heal a heart broken by guilt. Now grief is a clean wound, but guilt is a dirty wound. And you know, a person cannot be, who has a heart broken because of guilt, cannot be healed until they deal with what caused that guilt. In other words, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, if there are wrongs that have never been righted, if there are things that you know that you have left undone that God wants you to do. And so here's a person 
that has a broken heart because of the guilt of their sin, the guilt of their choices. And, and, but, so, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Je- Jesus came to heal a, a heart broken by guilt. Hey, by the way, in that situation of a heart broken by grief, let, let me give you a great verse to hold on to. You've heard this psalm many times, but you probably have jumped over this. In Psalm uh, 23, it says these words. Listen to me carefully. He restores my soul. Oh, yeah, green pastures, still waters. But then he restores my soul. Well, it must be damaged. You restore something that's damaged. And so Jesus is in the process of restoring your soul, which is grief. But in guilt, where it's a dirty wound and it's sin, it, it, won't be, it won't be healed until you confess that sin, accept responsibility for it, and turn away from it. And by the way, when you do, God's forgiveness is complete. I love Psalm 51. Man, David was guilty, guilty, guilty. Man, was he guilty. And he was eaten up with guilt. But look what, he just cried out to God. Look at what it says. Uh, all right, it says, uh, uh, God, ha- uh, God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, he goes on and says, blot out my transgressions. I mean, Lord, just wipe them out. And then he goes on and said, and, and he, was, he, he knew that, that he was guilty. He said, wash me. Man, what a picture. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me, O God. I can't live with this guilt. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And he goes on and says, and and, and Psalm, I acknowledge my transgression. Now get this. This is guilt. My sin is always before me. It's always before me, Lord. I'm having trouble ever dealing with this guilt. And so he was just crying out. And in that psalm, he said, purge me with hyssop. Hyssop was a little bush that they would dip in the blood of a lamb that had been slain. And they would sprinkle it on them. And what he was saying, Lord, just sprinkle my heart with the blood of Jesus. Wash me. Sprinkle my heart and I shall be clean. Lord, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Then he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Let me tell you something. You don't have to live with guilt. Oh, no, you don't have to live. Let me say something. Jesus came and died on the cross and took your sins and died in your place. But you have to accept responsibility for your sin and acknowledge, Lord, I have sinned. I'm not blaming nobody else but me. I made the choice. I acknowledge it. I've sinned against you, but I'm I'm repentant. I'm broken over my sin. And by your grace, I want to turn from it. I don't want to live there anymore. And, 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 And you can receive the forgiveness of God. David said, hide your face from my sin and blot out my transgressions. I love 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, that means we're honest with God. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Jesus can heal a heart broken by grief. Jesus can heal a heart broken by guilt. If you'll repent and acknowledge and take responsibility and go to him and trust him and his precious blood in surrender of your life, he'll, he can, 
He can remove that guilt. You know, there was one physician that said 80% of his patients would get well if they could get rid of their guilt. You'd be amazed how many people live with a guilt, cloud of guilt over them. You don't have to. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I read this verse not too long ago, and, and I just had a, a spell when I read it. It said in, in Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, talked about Jesus. I want you to listen to this. Who loved us and washed us. This is Jesus. Who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. When Jesus washes you, you're not guilty. Well, he can heal a heart broken by rejection. Hey, broken by rejection. Let me tell you something. That's one of the most painful things in the world. Rejection. You know, God created you and me to love and to be loved. He gave us the capacity to love others, to love God and to love them. But he gave us the capacity to love others. But also, he put in us a great need to be loved. Okay, when someone is very significant in your life, someone is very important in your life, someone who means a whole lot to you. I'm not talking about a stranger. I'm talking about somebody that you are close to. A mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a neighbor, a workmate. When somebody close to you rejects you instead of loving you they reject you and you know that they have rejected you they, they they really don't love you they really won't let you in you don't understand you want to feel guilty well what did I do wrong for them to reject me but I'm telling you rejection is extremely painful and you're talking about a broken heart my lord have mercy when a person is rejected by those that somebody that should love them and embrace them and encourage them and love them. Man, I'm telling you, the pain is so real. And let me tell you what rejection results in if you don't get healed from it. It results in anger. And you just get angry and you don't know why. Rejection is the root. Anger is the fruit. But you know what? Jesus can heal a heart broken by rejection. I love Corinthians 13. It tells us how to love. And you can say, Lord, you know, I was rejected, but I, I, I forgive them. But look, look what, this is what love is. Love suffers long. It's kind. It's not jealous. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely does not seek its own. It's not selfish. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Endures all things. You ready? Love never fails. I guarantee you, when you take that heart broken by rejection to the Lord, and, you, and I'm going to talk about this later, you forgive the person then you find that the love of God can bring healing that only the love of God can. When you know how much he loves you, that means more than anything else in the world. And, and, and it can heal. And let me just say this. Uh, Jesus can heal a heart broken by abuse. 
Of course, we know the tragedy of physical abuse. We see it about all the time about violence, you know, in the football league and all these people beating up on women and men. It, it's, just, it's just wild, and they're trying to solve the problem. It ain't going to be solved until a person's heart's changed, right? Physical abuse is tragic, never acceptable, never. But I'm going to tell you something. Verbal abuse, you'll never know how much power you have in your words. In fact, let me give you one verse. In Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. When you say those things to your wife or to your husband or to your child, and you say that, and it just goes out, and then you go on and say, well, I I didn't mean. Let me tell you something. Death and life are in the power of the You can speak life to a person, or you can speak death to a person. And I want to tell you right now, the Bible says the tongue no man can tame. It's a fire. It's a world of iniquity set on fire of hell. Don't, don't you take lightly what comes out of your mouth. Oh, no. Don't you do it. You may leave a scar on a person that they'll live with for years. But you know what? When people have verbally abused you or physically, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ is there. And he, he speaks words of hope. He speaks words of encouragement. And he speaks words of love for you. Well, Jesus invites the brokenhearted to come to him. Jesus understands and feels your broken heart. Jesus is present today to heal your broken heart. But he invites the brokenhearted to come to him. And I'll give you this verse. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus does not invite you to dead religion. Jesus does not invite you to live with a bunch of Pharisees that just judge people all the time. He invites you to come to himself who knows everything about you. And he who knows you best loves you the most. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am weak and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. I want to get um, Mike, you and Mike Speaks and Carolyn to come up. and They're going to share a testimony, how they heard, heeded the words of Jesus. When he said to them, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest from your soul. They will speak words of hope and comfort to your heart. And, I, and y'all just, I want to pray for you as you get, Mike, you, I mean, you, you, you pray, Mike, just that for the Lord. To... Lord, we thank you this morning for these words. Thank you this morning for these words that Brother Fred has has spoken. We know that there's many in our midst that are dealing with a broken heart right now. And we just ask you, Lord, to touch their hearts this morning. And we pray the words that me and Carolyn speak would touch the hearts of those that are battling this problem they have with a broken heart. We pray, Lord, that they would turn it over to you and that you would heal them and give them peace and comfort. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Hold the microphone up close, Carol, so they can hear you. Sit on. Good. Yeah, good. We got to get ready. Y'all know this is not my comfort zone, don't you? But it's going to be all right. We're going to get through it. The Lord's help. You just heard Brother Fred's message from Luke 4.18, where Jesus is sent to heal our broken hearts. Carolyn and I stand before you this morning as a testimony that Jesus has walked us through this process and he can do it the same for you. And we're speaking from experience. We can tell you that he's done it for us and that he can do it for you. Our testimony is centered around our family. So I've got to give you a little family background. Uh, we have two children. Our son Tim Speaks lives in Auburn with his wife April and their four sons, Jackson, Harrison, Griffin, and Sullivan. We have a daughter that also lives in Auburn. Her name is Tammy Allison. Her husband is Rodney, and they have two daughters and a son. Their daughters are Kaylee Marie, Lily Grace, and Sam. And I said that they lived in Auburn, but our oldest granddaughter, Kayla Marie, lives in heaven. In our family, in our family, this is Granddaddy and our mama. Many years ago, we um, started a cousin camp, and we just really enjoyed it. It just the kids just really liked it, and. Mike would uh, rent a motor home, and we would go to different places. And it was fun because the parents weren't there. So we just really, really enjoyed it, and, and they did too. Um, but Kaylee Marie was the one that always took charge. She took the food orders when we would stop at McDonald's or either when I would make sandwiches in the motor home. She would have a piece of paper and pencil, and she would be the one to take all the food orders. She was a take-charge kind of little girl. Some people would say bossy, but I would say take charge and very much help to my mom. Uh, so uh, we just thoroughly enjoyed being, being with our grandkids and love, and love for them to come to Mobile and us go to Auburn to visit them. Well, Kaylee Marie and Lily came to stay with us for a week around this time of year, right before they got started going to school. And... Uh, so we just had lots of, lots of good times. We did, we did all the girls' stuff. We did pedicures, manicures, got their hair trims, and, of course, we had to include shopping. So we just had a real good time. And so uh, we was getting ready to take her back to Auburn, and we would meet her mother halfway. But before we would leave and say goodbye, she would always look at me with those big blue eyes and say, Mama, when will I see you again? When will we meet again? So then we would have to stop and talk about our next visit. Well, she called me the next morning, which was on a Sunday. And she said, Mama, we didn't go to church today. I'm not feeling good. I threw up, and I just don't feel too good. And so that night, she started getting worse. At midnight that night, which was Monday, August the 4th, we received a call, and it was our son-in-law, Rodney. 
I could tell Rodney was real upset. He said, Kayla Marie is real sick. The paramedics are here and they're transporting her to the hospital. We immediately got in the car and started a three and a half hour trip to Auburn. We, as we left town, we called several of our friends and asked them to pray for Kayla Marie. At 2.30 that morning, on a lonely stretch of I-65 between Evergreen and Greenville, we received a call from our son. He said, Dad, Kelly Marie didn't make it. Our whole world has stopped at that time. Our oldest granddaughter, Kelly Marie Allison, went to be with the Lord on her 10th birthday, August the 5th, 2008. This Friday will be her 8th anniversary in heaven. Carolyn and I pulled over on the side of the road. Our whole world has stopped. We called out to the Lord. We cried. We hugged each other. It was like someone had just taken, ripped into, ripped into our chest and pulled our heart out. We were totally devastated. But it hit us at that time we had to get to our daughter. So we continued on to Auburn. We got at Auburn at 4 a.m. in the morning. Our daughter, her husband, and our son were sitting on the front porch. As I walked up those steps to that front porch and embraced them, I never felt the presence of the Lord like I did that morning. His spirit was all over that place. And even more than that, the three of them had a peace that I'd never seen before. It's like the verse in Philippians says, the peace of God that passes all understanding. They, they had that peace. And we thought, how can they have this peace after what they had just gone through an hour or so before this? But our daughter walked up, looked both of us in the eye. She said, don't worry, it's okay. Kayla Marie is with Jesus. Later on, we learned that when they were in the hospital in the emergency room, my daughter was holding Kayla Marie's legs while the emergency room doctor tried to revive, revive the little girl. Uh, our daughter Tammy all of a sudden just stood back, released her grip, and just stood back. We've learned later, she said later, that she felt a hand on her shoulder, and she heard a voice that said, you can turn, him, turn her loose now, I've got her. My son said there was no one else in the room. We think and we know that that was a hand and voice of Jesus. Kayla Marie was too young to have a telephone, so she loved to email. That was her big thing, that she loved to email me just about every day. So I received an email from Kayla Marie in 2006, which was probably will be the most important email I'll ever get. It read, hey, Mama, guess what? I went, uh, was in bed 
tonight and I couldn't go to sleep and I was thinking about something, I went down and I asked Jesus in my heart and I told mom and daddy that I wanted Jesus to come into my heart. She learned about Jesus at an early age because of the influence of her, of her family, her mom and daddy. She even led her little sister, Lily Grace, to the Lord when they was taking a bath in the bathtub, which I love to tell everybody. Um, she was very, very blunt about her faith, and she was not shy about it at all. Uh, two days after Kaylee Marie died, the local newspaper, she, she, made, the, she made the front page of the newspaper, uh, and the headlines read, People could see Jesus in her. What a testimony that a 10-year-old had in her life. There are many, many people out here today hurting. Uh, many of my friends have lost their spouses. Uh, there's been miscarriages, divorces, just like Brother Fred mentioned in his message. Lots and lots of brokenheartedness. And if, if you could just find it in your heart to lean on God and let Jesus carry you through. It was later determined that Kaylee Marie had died of myocarditis. The virus that she had had the day before, just a simple stomach virus, had not left her body but got in her bloodstream and went to her heart. It caused her heart to uh, get out of rhythm, and most of the time it corrects itself, but in this situation, it didn't. She closed her eyes and went to sleep and never woke up. I want to tell you that you need to hold your children and your grandchildren close. It shows how, how fragile life really is, and none of us are, par are promised another minute on this earth. Uh, we often wonder why a young child dies at such a young age. Isaiah 57.1 sort of gives us an indication of why this happens. It says, good people pass away, the godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. Kayla Marie was protected from the evils of this world. We have some close friends that are here this morning. Most of you know Jack and Barbara Stevens. They have really been an inspiration to us. Prior to our loss, Jack and Barbara lost their son, Mark, in a tragic accident. As Carolyn and I drove to their house that night, after we heard about Mark, we told each other, we said, how do you endure the loss of a child? When we got to Jack and Barbara's house, you could feel the Spirit of the Lord in that place. And even though they were hurting, desperately hurting, we could see the love of, of Jesus and the peace of Jesus in their eyes. Jack and Barbara continued to minister to us and minister to many other people. And you know, they, comfort, they comforted us. And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to comfort other people. In 2 Corinthians 
1, 3, and 4, which a dear friend gave to us recently. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's and of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all tribulation that we may comfort them which are in trouble. By the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. You gain healing from a broken heart through the comfort of other people, but you also are supposed to comfort other people. In all of our suffering, we suffer more for our daughter and for our son-in-law, Tammy and Rodney, and for their two children, Lily and Sam. Uh, when Kaylee Marie died, Lily Grace was eight, Sam was five. Lily went to bed one night with her sister and woke up the next morning, and she didn't have her sister. All of this happened during the night. Sam, we haven't mentioned, is, is autism. And he was nonverbal. He did not even talk till he was 10 years old. But him and Kaylee Marie had a language all to their own. She could understand him when nobody else could. Uh, what makes us smile today and the sweet memory, one of the sweet memories that we have of Kaylee Marie is this little song that she would go around the house and sing and do her little face like that and just dance around and sing. And I just want to do one verse, not sing it, but speak it. When I get to heaven, will I see you? We're going to have a party. What are you going to do? Everybody's dancing. God is everywhere. We're going to have a good time. Are you going to be there? I think that's a question to all of us. Are you going to be there? After Carolyn Marie's death, our, her parents put a Bible verse on her marker on her grave, and it was Matthew 5, 8, which is one of the Beatitudes. And it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That night... When Jesus put his hand on my daughter's shoulder and said, You can let her go now. I've got her. Kayla Marie left her earthly body. And she went to heaven. And she saw God just as this first said she would. And you know, we thought about this later. We didn't at that time because we were grieving. But we thought about this later. What a tenth birthday that must have been for her in the presence of her Creator, and with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've heard our testimony this morning. This is a story that we have lived through over the last eight years. And I know many of you have hurts, just like we do. Many of you have broken hearted, or broken hearted. But I want to tell you this morning, through these through this situation, we've learned several things. And Brother Fred mentioned a couple of these earlier. But number one, the healing of a broken heart is not instantaneous. You don't go to bed one night and wake up the next day and it's gone. It stays with you all the time. It's been eight years. And the Lord woke me up at midnight, Monday night. And I laid there thinking about it the rest of the night. It never totally goes away. Number two, healing is painful. 
the pain, pain never entirely goes away. But through the grace of God, you can endure it. He says he'll never leave you or, or, or forsake you. And he won't. And he also says, and this is a promise that I've claimed, he won't put more on you than you can handle. The third thing is healing comes from comforting from others, but it also comes from you comforting others. If you go through a situation that has broken your heart, there's other people out there just like you. And if you see them, you need to comfort them just like someone has comforted you. And then the most important thing is that you're not going to do it without Jesus. Going through something like this with him is hard. Being healed without him is impossible. So I bear witness to you this morning that Jesus is here to heal your broken heart. If you know him, turn it over to him. If you don't know him, you need to know him. As Brother Fred gives the invitation this morning, you need to come down, give your heart to Jesus, confess your sins, and ask him for, your, for his help. Thank you, and God bless each of you. Amen. Let me see that paper. The Opelika or Auburn News. I wonder how many times the headlines have been, people could see Jesus in her and her picture. And as I talked with Carolyn and Mike yesterday, I said, you know, thousands of people get this newspaper. Thousands. And they couldn't miss the headlines. People could see Jesus in her. She touched thousands of lives. And you know, Mike and Carolyn said, you know, Brother Fred, purpose of our testimony is not to glorify Kaylee Marie, but to speak words of hope and encouragement to people, whatever their broken heart is. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if there's ever been a headline like that before. 